This is the food version of McFarland USA. <laughs> Hi, welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie that the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and Skype to discuss it. My name is Ricardo Deacon. My name is Orla Medinas. And you're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. Welcome. This week's film was chosen by Orla. Uh-huh. It is Tampopo. <laughs> Two Japanese milk truck drivers help a restaurant owner learn how to cook great noodles. Quite accurate. <laughs> so, Orla, you picked this movie. Why did you pick Tampopo? Uh, because it's bananas. <laughs> uh, I discovered this while uh, we were looking at the Criterion app um, that we have on the TV. Um, it's not an amazing app. It's actually kind of hard to find random things. It's not very well organized. But uh, we were literally, they had some random selection called like favorites or something. Um, and we were scrolling through and I think the there was a 4K restoration of this that came out in like, 2016. Um, but it's like, it, it's nestled in there in the, in the favorites. And uh, we were like, hmm, ramen. Hmm, this sounds wacky. Throw it on. <laughs> and oh boy. <laughs> I immediately thought of you from like the first half hour because... Uh, he spent so much time talking about food. Uh, and like, listeners don't probably don't know this, but uh, we tend to record between sort of like 5 and 7 p.m. Irish time. Uh, usually on Sundays, sometimes on Saturdays, uh, which is always right before Ricardo embarks on some complicated cooking mission um, involving, I mean, assume, every pot, pan and plate in his uh, apartment. Um but uh, which I always assume is why so many food analogies end up in our conversations because in, at some part of your head you're just thinking about the like rice and beans and delicious things you're about to make. Uh, also, quite famously, Ricardo once couldn't do a Zoom uh, quiz thing at the beginning of lockdown because he was making pizza. So... <laughs> And in fairness, from scratch, like it, the was. dough let me down. The dough funny. let me down. It was it was during it was during the the the, the early pandemic days when all everybody did was do uh, Zoom quizzes. But uh, yeah, the, um, the OG lockdown. Oh God, uh, yeah, this. <laughs> I knew, obviously knew nothing about this this film or this filmmaker, um, but it does get put on a lot of like uh, best movie lists uh, of movies about food. Um, like there are all, all other sort of clear contenders like um, like Ratatouille and uh, uh, the Lunchbox. Um, I I just I really really love like I love cooking shows and I love watching people make cooking things and uh, I just I love the cooking scenes in this film because you know a lot of them are quite chaotic but a lot of them are like it's just so like purposeful and oh it's just it's, I love it. I'm not sure what your your relationship to ramen is. Um, I had never had it until I came to Canada. Uh, not out of like, you know, oh, I wouldn't like that or whatever. I just never had. It's obviously not as big a thing in Ireland. Um, like where we live at the minute, we're very spoiled for a lot of like really, really good uh, ramen places. But uh, 
Uh, yeah, no, I know I'm just like fucking addicted to it. Uh, like not just eating it, but also like attempting to make it as well. Uh, like anything that involves, you know, two days of making some ridiculous stock and, you know, it's like it's, it's just, it's, it's a calming thing in the middle of a not very calm world. Um, like I make no claims to greatness, but even, even like, you know, not the best ramen is still a very comforting, uh, thing to eat. Um, yeah, so not only is this a movie very much about food and our relationship to food and like how ridiculous that can be and how obsessive it can be and uh but it's also like basically a western uh so i figured if i couldn't convince you like you know if i couldn't convince you with this big like a ramen western both a western and a movie about food uh i probably didn't deserve to be on this podcast um um there are some weird moments in this film uh also some quite shocking and disturbing ones like the scene with the turtle which uh yeah it's not it's not pleasant uh but then there's also the scene with the like the clam on the beach with the girl which is deeply uncomfortable um like people make a big deal of how this is like a very horny movie as well because there's a lot of like interesting sexual practices uh, like, you'll never think of egg yolks the same way again. Um, like, obviously, they're quite, they're quite shocking, but, uh, they don't really stick with me as much as, uh, the, the kind of the main story of the film, as in, of, like, following Tempopo and her, like, the, the creation of the, the sort of ragtag family around her. Um, and, like, it's obviously a movie of vignettes, uh, which, you know, can be problematic. Uh, <laughs> films that are made up of different vignettes, but because they're so like said as little sort of like I saw someone describe them as side dishes to the sort of main meal. Um, that I a lot of them I find very very charming, and also like you just like you're just going there for like a little moment and then coming back kind of. It's it's a very like meandering style which I really really enjoy, but um. Uh, <laughs> It's also just very, very funny uh, in a kind of just a like silly way. Like whenever uh, in like the early scenes when uh, they first go into her her ramen shop and uh, the guy's like screaming at them and he like flicks the little fish thing and it lands on his face. It's so silly, but it's so funny. Like when I watched this for the second time, I, I still laughed out loud several times. Um, the director is really interesting. I don't know if you had heard of him or, or knew anything about him. Um, I hadn't until I, I watched the second time and did a bit more research. Um, like he made about 11 movies. Um, but uh, he he made a lot of films about uh, uh, like the Yakuza uh, in Japan, uh, being very critical about them um, and also sort of portraying them as like like mindless thugs as opposed to the sort of like sleek kind of criminal, which they didn't take too kindly to. Um, and he was like really brutally attacked at one point. And then ultimately he was found having supposedly jumped off a building. So they claimed it was a suicide, but his family always maintained that uh, he had been murdered because 
he'd never given any indication that he was suicidal or, you know, there was no reason for it. So it was all a bit suspicious. It was very sad. He was married to um, the actress who plays Tampopo. That was his wife. Uh, he died, I think, in 1997. Like, she, she's still alive. Um, uh, but yeah, like, she never remarried or anything. And it's like, it was just very sad that, like, it was all very, very sudden. Like, he was only, he was like 60 or something, I think, whenever he died. But, um... He's a very interesting guy. Like I, I really want to watch more of his films. I think more of his films. I think he are... was an actor as well. Wasn't yeah, he? yeah. Like and and like a fairly prolific one. Like he was in a, like a lot of stuff, and then uh, he he started directing. But I think he wrote all his movies as well. So like this is, this film uh, as well as the rest of them are uh, very much, you know, just coming straight out of his crazy brain, basically. This is such a like warm, heartwarming movie in a lot of ways. Um, like there are so many scenes that are just so charming, and like a lot of that is Tampopo herself and like her like the sort of the dedication that she has and like y you know like the the little scenes where she gets to sort of prove herself and like show her dedication and um, like the scene when they go they're like going around visiting different ramen shops and. Uh, uh, the guy who he's in, he's in like a place beside a train station or something, and like all the people come in sort of all at once, and they're all just like shouting their orders, and like the guy's just like very calmly remembers everything, and then Tapopo's kind of like no 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 it's this 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 isn't this, and they all break into applause. <laughs> it's like it's just it's so sweet. I'm like oh, uh, yeah like there's, there's, there's I saw a lot of people complaining about uh, uh, the use of sound in this because obviously. Uh, in Japan and Japanese culture, um, not slurping your noodles is, is deemed to be very insulting to the chef because you're not like acknowledging the the craft and the, the taste and everything that's involved in it. Um, so there are a lot of scenes that like play on that in a humorous fashion where they're like trying to eat like uh, spaghetti quietly and stuff. Um, I saw a lot of people complaining about how uh, if you have any sort of sensitivity to that kind of sound watching this movie is basically impossible um which you know makes sense um but uh yeah it's it's also the kind of film that i think if you watch it in the wrong humor it could rub you very much the wrong way uh like in in its entirety not just that there are like certain problematic scenes and stuff but also that it has a very distinct style to it and i think if you don't kind of sort of lock in with what he's doing from the very beginning like it has like the opening scene is just like <laughs> so silly like it opens on you know this guy in a cinema and he's like talking straight to the camera there's a guy trying to eat crisps and uh all i can think of was like you know marker mode and the code of conduct and everything and how this guy's like set out a full dinner in front of him and you know like it's so i could imagine people not 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 uh, not really connecting with the style of it or the 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 way the vignettes are used and the like you know it's uh, I think it was in the what's our favorite film credit called Mark Mod no Roger Ebert Roger Ebert yeah <laughs> you know thumbs up in uh, <laughs> uh, his review he said that this movie makes no like uh, concessions towards western culture or any other culture as in like it is so it's just like so purely Japanese and like, like it, it mocking and also like being very affectionate towards different areas of like Japanese culture and the relationship with food and stuff um but yeah, uh, I I love this and it it really warmed my heart. Um, and uh, yeah, without further ado, Ricardo, uh, what did you think of Tampopo? 
Well, first of all, to answer your question about my relationship with ramen, yes. uh, I love ramen. I think that I'm surprised that you're saying that there's not that many ramen places in Dublin, maybe no, because think, you I weren't there looking are. for it. Yeah, there's I think quite it's just a few. Never like, really, I never really, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't really know why. Like, they're, they're there's definitely. like more and more now that it's like, you know, yourself yeah. won't become successful. And then it's yeah. like sushi places that there was like one or two and then it became trendy. Yes. And then... But I suppose, it, like with ramen, it's kind of what do you sell in the summer? Because who, who fucking eats ramen in the summer? <laughs> in Ireland in particular? Yeah. Well, yeah, like uh, ramen is one of those things that uh, I gained from a bad date. I went on a date with a girl that lived in Japan before and she was like have you ever had ramen i was like no and then we went to like a ramen bar in capel street she said that it was like the one that reminded her the most from the ramen in japan so it's like the most traditional let's say uh the date was awful but the food was lovely um and it like it's uh, the relationship didn't last but the love for ramen <laughs> will last forever kind of thing uh, so I, I adore ramen, but it is one of those things that I don't know why I don't have it as often. I think part of it is like the idea of getting takeaway ramen and then you have to put everything together yourself. It's like half of the charm of it is gone, you know, like having it, you know, when it comes in, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Like it's just aesthetically pleasing, you know, now having like a devil egg in there. Mm. Um I had a ramen once with a deep fried boiled egg. Um, <laughs> you say deviled egg? <laughs> sorry, not a deviled egg. There's like a, an <laughs> egg that is like in soy sauce or something. Yeah, uh, it's it's not pickled. It's a uh, what's like um, what's it called? Something like that. But yeah, not deviled as much as I actually. Oh, sorry, deviled eggs. <laughs> The 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 egg that I'm, I think it's called dragon's egg or something. Yeah. But it's like you deep fry a boiled egg, mm. and it's meant to be amazing. Haven't had it yet. Mm. Really want to have it in a ramen. It's meant to be uh, <laughs> a great addition to the oeuvre of ramen. But uh, yeah, like this movie is uh, very uh, pornographic in more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> It was funny they said that about being a horny movie because I watched this on Friday and yesterday I watched um, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, which is another very horny movie. <laughs> and I'm like trying to think of what horny movie to watch tonight so I can do like a trilogy of very horny movies. What what would fit into that trilogy? Because it's like. It doesn't. It, it can't be expli- like that yeah. explicitly. Like it can't be like eight and a half weeks or fucking no, based no, no. against things or whatever. That's not what these movies are, though. Like obviously, there's like nudity in this, but it's more erotic than it is. Like it's not just like people writing. Go, no, do a very a, do a very I, specific I, Google later. <laughs> yeah, thirsty movies. <laughs> yes. That's oh my god! That's actually that is the word. Oh my god! Okay, well, for the top ten movies we thirst. <laughs> On this movie, is it an objectively good movie? Possibly not. Is it a fucking mess? Definitely yes. Did I love it? Yes. <laughs> yes.
like half the time like i'm completely undecided uh, like as in it is subjectively a great movie because i really enjoyed it but thinking about it since i watched it on friday like i keep like is the fucking Monty Python side show, like side dishes as you call them or whatever, do they work or are they awful? Um, is the fact that the whole movie is pretty much a Rocky montage slash uh, the Japanese version of Queer Eye? Things keep getting actually a really weird awkward episode like special episode of Queer Eye where they go to Japan and it's like really strange and, and Alex uh, brought that up because they may they teach the guy the dish that the homeless guy cooks the kid in the kitchen which is like the egg omelette and I've seen it oh before God. and I know the technique and it like I really want to make it but at the same time I'm like that is a fucking challenging dish that you have to get like everything right there's a lot going on <laughs> i love that scene oh my god These when he break. splits the the omelet <sighs> and it's meant to ooze, like <laughs> open up like <laughs> it kept making me think of like watergate where the security guard is just about to find them <laughs> like they're making omelets in fairness the uh, shout out to alex who was the one that uh, spotted the queer eye a link because it's even so the, the team assembled like it's just like you know the show with the fabulous guys <laughs> <laughs> she forgot what was <laughs> like it was very strange because the the beginning of the movie feels like you're watching fucking sorcerer the william franken movie <laughs> yeah. and then, uh, they start talking about like uh, the, his ramen sensei but he's reading a book uh, and then Within the world of the movie, it's like, did he write that book? Because he has his <laughs> yeah. own ramen sensei. Uh, uh, and then, like, the, the whole segment in the movie that is, like, which uh, the group of characters that I affectionately call gourmet hobos, uh, <laughs> that they're like, oh, yeah, we found this beautiful food here or whatever. Like, of all the, the side segments, my favorite one was the one in the French restaurant that is, like, only a, the, <laughs> the one guy that knows how to speak French. So everybody's just waiting for him to order so they could say the same. And then the one dude that looks like an idiot when he walks in, he's the one with, like, the life experience and the taste and stuff. Yeah. And, the, and we'll the go against like his bosses as well. <laughs> yeah, he gets a super expensive wine, which is, like genius in a meal like that could have a 1981 <laughs> chateau whatever like uh i i like if i ever wanted to quit in a bad way i'd be like doing something like that that is oh yeah here's your credit card to get the team a meal and then it's like oh yeah i'll get like beef bourguignon or something somewhere i don't know my brain is fried steak stuffed but. lobsters <laughs> The whole bit with your man, the Yakuza guy, I didn't, like, uh, really, I don't know um, if it worked or not. And the side story of your one that dies when your man comes home and he forces her to make fried rice. 
and then they're like eating and then she dies and he's like come on kids keep eating that's the last meal your mother ever cooked and like one of the kids is crying and i was like the fuck is this go back to the fucking ramen i want montages of people carrying water pots around this is the food version of mcfarland usa to pick with you you said to me before watching this movie that i should be watching this movie while eating or just after eating and i completely disagree with you i think i should have watched this movie before eating but Mm -hmm. having like a meal ready for just afterwards because i got really stuffed while the like watching the start of the movie and the food didn't stop and when you're watching it, it's just like, it, obviously, like for the characters, they're not like eating one dish after another after mm-hmm. another in the movie. There's like a pause in between dishes. But as an audience member, there's no pause. You're just oh, one ramen bowl, next ramen bowl. Now they're just eating 14 boxes of noodles for some reason. <laughs> and then saving your mom with a Hoover instead of using Heimlich maneuver. Who knows what's happening in this movie? But like... Um, <laughs> I forgot about the Hoover. You're, you're watching this movie and like, all this eating and then you're already stuffed. I was like, oh, I'm not enjoying it as much because I'm feeling even more stuffed. It is like, particularly when there's a lot of like group shots of people eating as well, where like everyone is eating almost in unison. Where like they're all like, and it's they're basically like inhaling the, the, the bowls of ramen and it's like... It's uh, it's very extreme. It goes from like, like very small moments of like little, little sort of dainty things to like just giant bowls of things very quickly. Like there's not obviously because it's this movie, but there's not really any scenes that aren't like in some way centered around food, except for whenever uh, Goro has uh, has the fight. <laughs> he has the like <laughs> the fight with the guy under the bridge. It's so perfect. It uh, it also very much reminded me of um. The scene in uh, uh, with the double neck karate job in the uh, is it Manhunter? What's that? Is it? Oh yeah, <laughs> Manhunter, the the, the double chop. Yeah, it's because it's uh, there's the 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 clip of him actually doing that. They're in a hospital, but it, it's the framing is kind of similar to them where they're uh, <laughs> they're in the hospital as well. Uh, in this movie, where they're standing under the bridge, so they're kind of in silhouette. So the way it's all like the 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 beginning of the fight is them sort of like you know uh, <laughs> getting their jabs out or whatever. But uh, it very much reminded me of that. I, I laugh, but uh, then obviously because they're both like old, uh, they end up at the end just like exhausted, lying together in the uh, in the grass. And then you know because they've had they they've worked through their differences and now they have mutual respect. And uh, he's like, are you in love with Tampobo? He's like, no, I'm just helping her with her ramen shop. What? And he's like, well, <laughs> I know how to do construction. So, uh, and didn't he, he specializes in bars as well? So he just Yeah, like he's an interior designer. <laughs> like completely, completely blitzes the bliss. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm just, oh, it's so charming. I even like the way that he's like describing why like ramen bars are designed in a certain way that you need this space like even to put the I love that about like Japanese culture about how like 
precision, you know. Yeah. The bit, uh, even like looking at it, you see that nobody is really stressed when you're good at your job because it's all will be like you get so good at it that it becomes second nature. Mm. So it feels like it, you feel like if you were put in that situation, be like frantic and going crazy and thinking, oh my god, eight hours of this shit. <laughs> like no, I, no amount of money is worth that level of stress. But when you're almost flowing through it, that. Uh, like where he's talking about like no wasted motion. Mm. Uh, it's just like make sure that everything you do is for a purpose, etc. Which like in the beginning, I thought that he was just full of crap because uh, he, he's just talking shite. And I'm like, oh, you have to do like a good ramen person has to jog a million miles now <laughs> or oh, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Remember, she's in like rocky sweats, like going up and down steps. I was like, it's so funny. And then the weird businessman walked by and probably not even like casted in the movie. They were just like there walking by these, this guy like whistling. Whenever, like you said, like noodle western, I thought that it was actually just gonna be a play on the word that you have like spaghetti western. <laughs> Uh, it's not necessarily that people are eating spaghetti in spaghetti westerns <laughs> so i don't know like, like this is probably like calling it noodle western was kind of a nod to that idea also of using mm. like genre pieces and stuff i don't think that the uh the western part of the like in a way it's kind of this uh weird circular uh thing of uh influences because mm -hmm. the westerns that are based on like build a team are all originally based from Seven Samurai. Yeah. yeah. So then it's like going back to Japan, but like through Magnificent Seven and all the other ones, kind of thing, and Dirty Dozen probably and whatnot. Like I think the the part that really didn't work is your mom running after Goro after they leave. Like like if it was Shane. Shane. <laughs> And then we cut to a mother breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I, I didn't have a problem with that. Like some of the um, the vignettes, I thought that it'd be like they were interesting in a way that I thought that it were more about our relationship with food. So there'd be like the healthy relationship that uh, Tom Popo has and the guys have that it's just about making the best food that you can make yourself. Mm. But then you have all these other things that are related to food that is like the idea of uh, of social status, the idea of like sexuality, the idea of like roles in the household and stuff. But at the same time, because the tone is so different to the rest of the movie, mm. even like whenever your mind gets shot outside the the... <laughs> The ramen place is like, what is this? Like, uh, I, I don't understand. Like, this is a different movie. I don't need <laughs> your mind getting shot like 10 times. And then you're one like holding him in his arms. Maybe if he was like just brief that you just see him in the background and that's happening. It would have been like a, a nice like sight gag. Do you think that's something he's like going to come up to? little thing where he's like describing this like perfect food moment that he wished he could have had with her. Which I think is kind of cute. But uh yeah, it, it, it's so over the top that it's <laughs> like you kind of just have to sit and witness it. You know, it's it's like. And then she shows up and she's like, "What happened?" And it's like, "I'm being shot, bitch." 
Can't you tell? Uh, <laughs> I'm a sieve. <laughs> I find that like always interesting watching movies of like the the period. Uh, well, like any period, I suppose that is like not nowadays from a different place. That is a very much a um, old to where it is based. Like even though it's kind of like generic Japanese city, it's probably Tokyo, but never really addressed where it is. Mm. It makes it like, oh, that was how Japan was in the 80s. It's quite interesting. And like the film stock that they use, it must be some fucking shoddy 16 mil because like in some scenes it looks beautiful. In other scenes it looks like somebody <laughs> like was chewing in the end of the film before like putting it into the projector or something. That is obviously probably no fault of the cinematographer at the time is whatever print survived unfortunately yeah. is uh not the best quality especially like uh annoying whenever they're doing like food porn shots and then when you have like artifacts or whatever it's not like chef's table netflix or whatever that is just like 4k <laughs> you're like oh, try to lick the fucking screen when you're watching that so i i like hate and also fucking love chef's table because it is so wankery I find that like uh, like a lot of those shows, the best episodes are the ones where it's like, not like more authentic, but like there's some episodes that are just like, no, I hate this person. Like they did a barbecue season <clears throat> and the first, I would recommend you watch the first episode because it's this like woman who's in her 70s in the South and she's been making barbecue for her entire life and she still does all the pit stuff herself and it's like the best barbecue in the world and everyone queues up for you know 12 hours to get it and she's just this lovely woman and like it's just it's you know there's no pretension about it it's like oh it's so so good and then the next episode is a guy and he spends a long time talking about how everything he makes has to be like cooked in the flame so he's this whole thing about cooking lettuce it has to be touched by the fire and it's like just this parade of wankery <laughs> it's like i can't i can't i can't watch this absolute prick he like he's just like well like talking about going back to tampopo like the movie carries the name of the character i think it means daffodil probably uh dandelion maybe? dandelion okay that explains the the logo which is quite cool i yeah. thought it was the the, the ramen shop so um but like i think her performance is really like sweet yeah uh i i really enjoyed it i think that like the performances in general are great i just wish that there was a little bit more you know when she has the dream about like getting into a fight with the guys in the other ramen shop. Yeah. Which is so fucked as well because it goes a little bit too far. Especially it goes for like too a dream. long. It's yeah. like you're starting to get very concerned and then it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like too long. <laughs> it's a bit unsettling. But I think in a way, I wish that this movie was just a little bit more like Little Italy starring Hayden Christensen and uh, Amber Roberts. <laughs> That is the, that's the third movie. That is such a horny movie. Uh, that's the third one. You have to watch it. <laughs> There's uh, the guys on the flop house. Uh, the Little Italy. Italy. Little yeah. Italy. Little Italy. <laughs> and 
the episode is so funny um, because they ultimately end up kind of liking it because like it's so stupid but you know kind of charming at the same time it's such a weird film though because it's like very pointedly set in Toronto but also marketed as if it's New York <laughs> it's like it's so weird um, you know Stanley Tucci has a, a show uh, on CNN randomly uh, where he goes to Italy and uh, he's like touring about different parts of Italy and uh, it only came out like last year um, and like, you know, going through the different cuisines and stuff because like his parents were Italian. He grew up like, you know, you know, cooking and eating the food and stuff. It is so charming. Stanley Tucci is a babe. And um, <laughs> oh, like only... Stanley Tucci is the, <clears throat> the charmiest actor in Hollywood, I think. Like he made Easy A a masterpiece single handedly. Uh, but he directed and starred in a movie in the 90s with uh, uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel who plays the dad what's that actor's name? The, 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 don't, uh, Tony Shalhoub yes is this what I ordered? yes, that is the risotto oh. it's a special recipe that my brother and I bring from Italy but I get a side of spaghetti with this, right? why? she likes starch, I don't know, come on there are no meatballs with the spaghetti? They were two brothers who came to America bearing Italy's greatest gift. To eat good food is to be close to God. I'm never sure what that means, but it's true anyway. <laughs> they have a talent for cooking. Wait, cut the table. Now, all they need... If you give people time, they learn. This is a restaurant, not a cooking school. ...is a recipe for success. Oh, yeah, like, and he was in Julia and Julia as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like... yes. Also, shout out to Stanley Tucci because uh, uh, Sarah Marshall, who does that podcast you're wrong about, uh, did a, tried to, through Twitter, tried to create a list of uh, supportive spouses in movies that are men who <laughs> at no point during the movie uh, make a fuss about the fact that the main female character is making it in her career. And... Uh, the Stanley Tucci in Julia Julia is one of the very few characters that people could actually come up with. But uh, yeah, he's he's lovely. Like, I don't really like Julia Julia because uh, Meryl Streep annoys me. But um, I do like Julia Childs like, as a character. She's very... Have you ever like, seen any of her show or anything? Like, oh, yeah. like uh, Very I funny. <laughs> fucking just smashing shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. half, half her cooking is just like grab the meat hammer. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Flatten the I, fuck out of everything. I, I like flat food. Uh, so, what was your favorite thing? Like, um, I think the tone of the movie or the feeling of the movie. Like, it was a weird, like, how can I put it? It was very weird. You know, like, sometimes you'll watch a movie uh, for the podcast. And it's kind of meh. So you find it hard to talk about because you didn't really love a lot of things and you didn't really hate anything. So it's like hard to do, to chat about. Um, and sometimes you hate a movie and it's really easy to talk about because it's like so many things that you <laughs> you want to get across. <laughs> and sometimes you love a movie and you just want to describe how it is to watch it or how it feels to watch it and why you you think it's a movie worth your time and appreciation etc this movie i think that like partly much like having a meal it's it's like it serves to kind of have offbeat conversations even 
whenever I was talking, yeah. like not only today in the podcast, noticing like that we had more than usual tangents, even though we are like known for tangents, <laughs> but even talking about the movie with Alex afterwards is like we couldn't like focus on the movie. And in a way, yeah. the, the like the filmmakers couldn't focus on the movie either. It's just like yeah, here it's a fucking yeah. mess. It, it's, it's like it's too big a topic or something, like our relationship to food. So it's like it ends up just being this mad collection of. <laughs> and I think like that it, it it's weird because it does a lot of things, but none of them particularly well. <laughs> Like, you know, like as a love story, I ship the relationship and stuff, but it's not like a love story to change your life or whatever. It's like it's enjoyable when you're watching it, but it's not something that like I, I won't be sitting here five years from now and be thinking about, oh, the love story in Tampopo that will break your heart kind of thing. You know, mm. like, uh, or like, you know, we've seen romantic movies uh for the podcast and outside the podcast you're like oh you know when he touched your hand you know like fucking before or sunset or something that you're like oh <laughs> she's about to touch him and she doesn't touch ah, him and you're like oh my, oh my god oh. yeah i'm still very much at the before sunset part of my life so i'm like <laughs> like within the trilogy <laughs> yeah, i'm like, still within that bracket oh where we're all screwed up and oh god Tell me a love story. It'd be that. I wouldn't be saying that about Tampopo. It's not the... Because partly of, like, revolution of, like, macro photography and, uh, and HD and digital filmmaking and low-life photography. It's fuzzy, this film. It's, it has a sort of a, like, <laughs> 80s sort of a matte fuzz over it or something. It's not the... Yeah, that's what I was saying before about, like, the quality <laughs> of the film stock. I think that, like, watching it whenever it came out, it would have been, like, a better... Either, like, they... Out of the box, they processed the film incorrectly and it became, like, either overexposed or tainted in a way. Uh, or, like, it happened that whatever film stock they had whenever they did the digital transfer... It had lost some quality in it but i think especially with like food porn um you know when you're watching something fucking 4k and you can see like mm. the steam rise uh, like the bubbles come up like this is like well photographed and stuff but like the detail is not there for you to like like reach out and feel it you know it's almost yeah. like what you were saying about the sound effects in a way is more puts you in the position of like the food place than the the food itself in the yeah. movie even though it's well photographed it's uh, one of the like penalties you pay i suppose as time goes by that like but it's nice it's not like zero dreams of sushi or something like that that you're or like even chef's table that we're talking about that is like yeah that you can almost reach out and grab it from your screen and like just lick the screen like if you're hungry. I can't hear Vivaldi now without being like mm, food. <laughs> and then uh, it is like it is a funny comedy, but it's not it's not really like jokey or set pieces. Like they're mm. like I think the it's, perhaps it's quirky. I think Roger Ebert compared it to the work of Shaq Tati, but I think the. Uh, Tati has a more kind of like social visual part. The mm. there's like more specificity to his comedy. So there's like moments like even in playtime. 
that scene in the restaurant is like I remember B by B what happens in that scene, you know, like uh, because it's I like did, it's I just did, so I structured. I did think of playtime a bit uh, in the like offbeatness or something. I don't know, but uh, I must watch that again. Yeah, like it's not particularly funny comedy. It's not the best like sports montage movie. Of course, that'd be Rocky Four, but mm-hmm. um, but that's a movie that is eighty two percent. Montage. Montages, yeah. Like actually, the calculation, the like Rocky Four, I think is about eighty-five minutes. It's like so short. It goes from like Apollo Creed dying to Gorbachev clapping in eighty-four minutes, which is quite <laughs> an achievement. Um, but it's not the best kind of sports training movie. Um, it's not particularly good character studies. Not particularly good satire. It's not particularly good like Western homage. But it's like all these things together somehow like yeah <laughs> it's like with the analogy of the ramen that we keep talking it's like a ramen that doesn't have the best yeah. broth or the best noodles or the best pork or the best scallions or the best soy sauce or the best anything mm-hmm. but they just the right like if you just eat them individually you'd be like ah, oh, this is a little bit bland this is a little bit too salty or whatever but somehow the combination of all of them becomes a really tasty dish. And if you try to pick it apart, you can't figure out why it's tasty. You know, like it reminded me of Tokyo Godfathers or Shoplifters. Yeah. yeah. But those movies are like so well-constructed movies and like you know exactly what they're doing and stuff. In this case, I don't know about <laughs> it. It's like... It is nowhere near the same level of filmmaking, but at the mm. same time is more enjoyable in a way. And it just works. It, it's like the street food version of those of a like a restaurant dish kind of thing. But it's just like like everything, the sounds of the street, the smells, mm. like the vision, like just looking at people cooking. Yeah. What's your favorite thing? <laughs> um it's probably the scene with the hobos, uh, the gourmet hobos, because the whole thing about like when they go over and it is his like his his explanation and, and then like, you know, what would you like to eat? And the cooking of the omelette and like the whole scene is so like it's just fabulous. And then as they're leaving where they have this sort of the like they sing on the steps and it's like it's so beautiful. It's like <laughs> for a film that like jumps around and often doesn't really make any sense. uh they're like perfect little moments within it and that's that's one of them it's similar to when they're uh they're in the restaurant watching the guy like do all the orders as well it's like it's just it's like a big big comforting bowl of ramen (laughs) i like i like that uh that the feeling because it like i guess you describe it it sounds so like twee or something but it's not it's just so delightful and yeah i love this movie uh what was your least favorite thing well like the, the, there's things that i didn't particularly enjoy in the movie but there's only one really egregious thing that is like the weird pedophilia oyster kind of yeah moment and i was like well probably i don't know japanese law but probably she's 18 at least but no me gusto 
I found it very, very awkward. And it's just like, what the fuck as well? Like, there was no kind of like, even in the other weird bits that perhaps like were uncomfortable, but not necessarily like bad. Like whenever the the woman has to cook the the death rice. Um <laughs> death rice yes and then the doctor is just there waiting for her to kill over time of death 10 22 it's like jesus but i don't know i like there were moments that i didn't you know like even the slurping food thing with the european guy just slurping the the pasta like that mm-hmm. felt a little bit too monty pythony um yeah, that's a little silly um but at least I could get the 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 meaning is like just embrace your culture, fuck everybody. Like if you go to Europe and you have to eat the way, fine. Bring your Japan. Just stay to your customs. Enjoy the food the way that you want to eat it. Don't like pigeonhole yourself and stuff. I was like, okay, I get the message. But that one, there was no message. Like the only message yeah. is like licking blood. It's not even food. It's like licking oyster blood out of like somebody's lip it's like what the fuck what was your least favorite thing um yeah it's it's that it's that scene like i don't like the bit with the turtle either but at least the bit with the turtle is quick and like it's not very pleasant but as far as i know from like turtle butchery it's like quick and painless for the turtle you know it's not it's not like levels of like animal cruelty or anything but like well, like they did mention in the the movie that you have to kill it like this yeah because otherwise the muscles con- contract and the blood coagulate and you have to take that out so though i like it's kind of you pay the penalty for not killing the turtle and like one strip yeah move kind of thing yeah and like also <sighs> Like technically, like they're make they're the killing the turtle to eat it. They're not just killing it for the sake of like gratuitous violence or whatever. But like, it's still not incredibly pleasant because it's like a little turtle and he's they're sort of moving around. You're like, oh, but um, uh, yeah. But that that like that's sort of uncomfortable. But it's not quite the level of the fucking oyster scene because it's just like, because like even like the bit with like because there's such a difference between something that's sort of like erotic and kind of a bit kind of like oh like the egg yolk and then something that's just uncomfortable because it's like not that it's like incorrect well, you like, know? I, I think that like, if, like if the scene was just like uh clearly like it could be even a young woman or whatever like yeah i wouldn't have it's... like i wouldn't like it as a scene but it wouldn't be egregious but like the clearly just, picking she an looks actress very that she looks yeah she looks very young and it's it's uncomfortable and you know that he's like a grown man as well like it's not it's yeah it's the uh so yeah didn't like that um uh but um yeah i mean like i completely agree with everything you said that like this film is just crazy uh and sort of indescribable but also encapsulates like so many things of, of like you know like food and cooking shows and um like you know getting getting we got to get the band together and you know, like all these things of like all the all the different characters coming in and like it is it's queer eye with with noodles it's i love it um 
I'm really, I'm really glad you liked it because uh, I can imagine. <laughs> I think of people in, like who else in my life because we had John watched it, and we both loved it. But I'm like, who else in my life could I make watch this? He wouldn't hate it. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, also, it did make me think briefly uh, of the 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 western meets food of uh, Jimmy Stewart and his giant steaks in uh, uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Oh yeah, they were the biggest steaks of all time. I want to one day bankrupt myself by buying steaks that big. It's like that that movie, like the steaks, is like somebody just fucking saw a cow like across like the the. Like uh, the plane, it's a cross section. There you go, boom. Uh, anyways, uh, where can they find us, Ricardo? Uh, they can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter at The Rec Game, on Dublin Digital Radio and the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud, on your podcaster of choice, Spotify, iTunes, all the good places, and yeah, the, our Ooh. email is the recommendation game at gmail uh, next week's film is Ricardo's yes. choice. What 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 country are we traveling to? Guess right. It's 1930s France. <laughs> It'll be Le Grande Illusion. Uh, we're going back to Jean Renoir. Oh, it's been a while. Awesome. Well, until then, I was Gordon McMillis. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week or the week after. Bye.